Episode 7 of Teaching in Higher Ed, Personal Knowledge Mastery. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. This is Bonnie Stahoviak, and I am joined once again with Dave Stahoviak. Dave, thanks for joining us. I am glad to be back as always. Thanks for having me. I have been doing a lot of thinking with this podcasting. One of the things that people talk about when you start blogging, when you start podcasting, this is a new term called working out loud. And when we work out loud, we sort of put transparency toward our thoughts and, and get them out a little bit. And so it's made me, this podcasting's made me rather, rather think quite a bit, I guess, about, about what it's all about. It sounds very deep and yes. significant. And I also have been doing, getting some feedback, some early feedback from people asking them what they like and what they don't like. And one of the things that I heard from one woman that I loved so much was that she feels like she's here sitting on our living room couch, just talking to us. And she likes oh, that feeling nice. of the conversation. And I'm sort of laughing because if you were here, the person who said that, I won't say your name because I didn't get her permission, but if you were here, we don't have a living room couch right now. We don't. We are in the middle of a small decorating project and we will no longer have a living room. Dave is trying to change my language and have us call it a library. It's not just you. I'm trying to rebrand it with everyone who comes to this house. Yes. So a library will have a couch soon. And a small circulation desk in order to reinforce the library brand. I did not know that. So I've been thinking about the podcast and to me, it does come down to, and, and for you who are listening, what you're telling me is accomplishing meaningful goals, helping our students learn meaningful things, and continuing ourselves to be people who are ever learning. And so this is going to be the first of just many conversations around those topics. And I I'm doing a little bit of writing. I put, I put this on Facebook and on Twitter, so you might already know this, but I have a chance to propose a book, but I have to produce a chapter sample first. So we'll see how that goes. And I came across this, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of writing about PowerPoint in the classroom, and I came across this great hysterical, but also super depressing list of tweets from students talking about how much they can't stand PowerPoint and really what the downfall is for them. And so we'll talk about this in future episodes, but there was one that relates to today's topic from Blazik, in case you want to go connect with Blazik, who said, being a college professor would be easy. Read off a PowerPoint you made 10 years ago and give online quizzes with questions you Googled. Hmm. And none of us wants that. None of us wants our students to be thinking that of us, that we're back living off of, at least I, I can't imagine that that we want that to be the perception. And so we want to stay current, even if it feels like our discipline perhaps never changes. If you teach art history, does art history ever change? 
But to me, you're ever changing your own sense of making meaning of what that history means and igniting that passion in your students for helping them make meaning of how that history may impact them today. So spoken like someone who had history as part of her major as an undergrad. So I I think that we always want to be continually grappling with how to engage our students and how to find even more meaning in our discipline. And to me, how do you take our disciplines and discover all the ways they're interrelated? So it never stops to me. So today we're looking at something called personal knowledge mastery. And personal knowledge mastery is, is, has previously been called personal knowledge management. And it is a discipline where we come up with ways of going out and finding information and then making that information mean something to us and then sharing it with others. So we want to take that definition and, and, and grapple with it a little bit here now. So Dave, I know that you have your own practice for personal knowledge management. We're going to be sharing a lot about what we do, but today's episode is giving an overview of personal knowledge, either management or mastery. And so we're going to start out with this definition from Harold Jarkey. Harold Jarkey is considered to be the expert in personal knowledge mastery, and he calls it a set of processes that are individually constructed to help each of us make sense of our world and to work more effectively. So let's start, Dave, with just breaking down the difference between, so what's what's management and what's mastery? Because this, I want to just, why are we calling it personal knowledge mastery instead of personal knowledge management? And he talks a lot about that on his blog, which is wonderful. I'll link to that in the show notes, by the way. If you want today's show notes, please visit us over at teachinginhighered.com slash seven. Join the conversation. Tell us what you're thinking about as you're listening to these podcasts and doing the deeper thinking yourselves. And so he talks about that a lot at his blog. Management would be just, I get it, I process it, and out it goes. It's it's doing things the right way. And when we start thinking about mastery, it's it's tied back in with our vision. And so one of the things that Dave and I learned in our doctorates was, and master's level too, was a great researcher in the area of organizational development and also personal leadership as well, Peter Senge. And he defines personal mastery as a discipline of continually clarifying and deepening our personal vision. It's about focusing our energies, developing patience, and seeing reality objectively. So we take that big definition of personal mastery and we tie it in with knowledge. Both of us are students of leadership and have degrees in leadership and have done a lot of thinking around the leadership versus management question, which is always a popular topic amongst leadership professors and programs. And I see this similar, Bonnie, as when I think about personal knowledge mastery is the strategy, the decision-making of where to go, which, which is a lot of leadership is where are you going? What's the strategy? Whereas the management part is the, okay, what's the regular process and structure that you need to execute in order to get to that destination. And so I see 
that's I haven't read the uh, blog you've referred to uh, in, in anywhere as detail from um, Jarky. Is that how to say mm-hmm. his name? Uh, I've read a few of his articles, but that that's kind of just how I think about the difference generally. And it, I, I don't know if that lines up with his thinking as well. Oh, that helps. I think that helps break it down tremendously. So it comes down to in today's episode, just the beginning of a conversation, which to me, I think we talked about in our last episode, which is just that feeling of being overwhelmed. But in our last episode, we talked about just the feeling of being overwhelmed in general with all the stuff we need to get done. But specifically today, we're looking at feeling overwhelmed by all the information that's out there. I could see the temptation to want to rely on the notes from 10 years ago and not have it change because as we say, life is pretty overwhelming as it is. Yet for most of us, our professor, our professions are changing all of the time. Mm. I, I mentioned in previous episodes my enjoying to listen to podcasts on the drive to work because there's constantly companies that are reinventing the way that things are getting done. There's this company called Kickstarter. And if you've not heard of Kickstarter before, it's a way that people can fund business ideas. And it's just how this really great Kickstarter, I don't know if I sent it to you, Dave, a Kickstarter for if you don't have a stand-up desk because they're pretty expensive. And, and Dave and I have talked about how much we love our treadmill desk, but we know that's not an affordable option for a lot of people. And even those stand-up desks can get pretty pricey. So this guy invented a stand-up desk that hooks onto the back of your chair. Did I send that to you? I, I feel like I saw a link, but I don't think I read it. Oh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of feeling overwhelmed, Speaking of being had over- one of those weeks. Yeah, it has been a few crazy days. but uh, It was really neat, though. It strapped onto the back of the chair and created a desk-type surface right off of the chair. Oh, interesting. And then, of course, since most of our office desk chairs, you can change the height of it, then you could also change the height of your desk and be more ergonomically correct. And so this guy had this idea, but he doesn't have the money to actually manufacture it beyond the initial prototype. And so he does a Kickstarter campaign and he does this great marketing video and starts to get people excited and funds it. And Kickstarter has been in the news in the last week too, because someone got more than $30,000 to make a bowl of, oh, oh, was it? Oh, was this the potato salad thing? Oh, maybe potato salad. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been in the news for some pretty silly reasons, but there have been some tremendous innovative ideas that have come out of that and been able to be produced. The one that I think is one of the most popular ones was the first smartwatch that uh, starts with a P. It'll come to me, hopefully before we stop recording. Never underestimate the power of a good solid potato salad. Yes, true. So the sense of being overwhelmed by information, there's a research study, which I'll link to in the show notes, that we are bombarded every single day with the equivalent of 174 newspapers. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so most people would say, well, that's not possible. And that's actually part of the deal is it isn't possible. We couldn't possibly absorb that. We couldn't possibly process that. It couldn't be meaningful to us. It's just this flood of meaningless garbage at that point. So one of the things, a famous quote by Einstein is that information is not knowledge. Hmm. So all the stuff that's flowing at us, until we can make meaning of it and and actually take some action around it, it's just stuff. For me, there's part of the thinking around this is not just what information to let in, but also what things to consciously make choices about not letting in. Mm -hmm. Because we can't process all the information that comes in. And I think that this is a real 
struggle for a lot of people. They they tend to, and I think most people err on the side of letting a lot of things in. They look at a lot of websites, they read a lot of blogs, they watch a lot of TV, they follow a lot of things on online and on social media. And it is really overwhelming and you never really make a lot of progress on getting into depth in any one of those areas. And I've seen also in academia with some of the people that I have worked with is that the opposite side too can happen. So there can be so much depth in my area of expertise And I'm so enthralled with this body of knowledge that is my life's work that I can become pretty myopic and then miss the other parts which add richness to our lives. Mm. And then we can find a lot of, I think, dissatisfaction and and have a higher risk for more stress and more more burnout with that, that kind of a myopic focus. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's a a guy who's pretty famous in the productivity circles. He wrote a book called Getting Things Done. His name is David Allen. And one of the quotes I love from him is, if you don't pay attention to what has your attention, it will take more attention than it's worth. And so that's kind of what you were saying, Dave, is wanting, wanting to have a discipline and a series of processes that help us have our attention on things that are going to benefit us exactly which is one of the reasons i don't tend to watch tv very rarely because i just i don't find that that's a good news consuming source or information consuming source and even for entertainment reasons i tend to you know do other things other than television you know movies or other stuff i'm laughing because anyone who knows me who's listening to this might be aware that i'm in my final throes of a binge watching (laughs) series of breaking bad so i i I would say i I don't watch a lot of tv but i kind of do but i i I still am well under the average american you are well under the average american i think i'm doing but you do make you do make up for the tv that i don't watch let's put it that way yes so an overview of personal knowledge mastery It, again, is a set of processes that are individually constructed. So everybody's personal knowledge management system looks different because they're individually constructed because they meet our individual needs. What do these processes help us do? They help each of us to make sense of our world. So it's not just about it's coming at me and it doesn't mean anything. I, I go through a process of helping it make meaning, helping me say, what do I do with this information? And then ultimately it's about working and I would say teaching more effectively. So the broad model from Jarkey, he has introduced three words that describe each phase of a personal knowledge mastery process, beginning with seek. So I'm seeking, I'm capturing what's out there. There is sense. I'm curating it, I'm organizing it, I'm synthesizing it, and then share. I'm creating, I'm celebrating, I'm working out loud, as I mentioned earlier. So that is, again, seek, sense, share, the three parts of Harold Jarkey's personal knowledge mastery system. So Dave, you have worked with a personal knowledge management or or mastery system for some time. Talk to me a little bit about what do you see as some of the benefits of having something like this? 
for me, it and there's still times that I probably err on both sides, but I find that it is a a I know what to do something with something. I know where to find stuff, and I know what to do with it when I come across it. So those are probably the two big things because we all have data coming at us in all sorts of directions these days. And so for me, it's it's actually I think the key step for me is the the second of that of putting it in a place where I can organize it and then you know process it later and then decide what I'm going to do with that. Um, but I'm also intentional about where things come at me too. Like I mentioned, I don't really watch television. Um, I I try to keep my subscriptions to newsletters and RSS feeds and things like that actually pretty light because I'd rather spend the time to really read well the things that I get versus being overwhelmed with the fire hose of things. So I tend not, and I don't, I very intentionally don't subscribe to like CNN breaking news and things like that on Twitter. I used to, and you just get pinged by stuff all day long that's going on in the world. And I just, I just found that there's, I I finally got rid of some of those subscriptions. I found (laughs) there was no benefit to having them. I don't need to know what's going on in another part of the world that just happened that was breaking news. If it's really important, I will hear about it. Like someone will say something about it. Like we had something, we were going to church this morning and you said something, oh, did you hear about this happening in the news? And of course I didn't this week because I tend to, <laughs> I, <laughs> I tend to not follow a lot I of I do news. have to share with the listeners because the irony of what I, <laughs> it was a, a discovery. Oh, I can't resist sharing. Just, it's, just it's, be careful. You don't lose your iTunes clean uh, <laughs> lyrics tag. It's my juvenile sense of humor that I cannot resist sharing. So this was the discovery this week that was it Harding, President Harding? I think so. They found diaries that that showed I, I have to have you look it up on just to make sure I'm not saying the wrong I, president's I'm name. I'm pretty sure it was Harding. They they um found documents that he had some type of a mistress and that he <laughs> Dave and I love listening to the game show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, every week on our way to church. And so I, I paused the recording because I wanted to remember he, he in his letters to his, his mistress, he right. had a name for his genitalia. So a special name, and I couldn't remember the name, so I had to put it on pause because I'm challenging my brain to come up with what the name was for his. And Jerry, if you're interested, was the name that he had come up with in his letters. Yes. Not the places I thought this episode was going to go, but there you go. I didn't actually predict this, but I I think... Anyway, what was I saying? Well, you were saying that when stuff like that comes up... Oh, yeah. I'll hear about it because I'm married to you. You'll hear about it. And you don't have to know the second that these love letters are uncovered is what... But in all seriousness, so if really big things happen in the world, you hear about them pretty quickly. I mean, you know, I'm online. I interact with people all day long. Um, But you get rid of most of the noise. So I'm really intentional about like anything that's kind of like the fire hose subscription, you know... Um, even things that I like reading, like Harvard Business Review, great example, wonderful publication, love reading a lot of their articles. I don't subscribe to any of their feeds though, because it's like, you know, 10, 15, 20 things a day. I don't want to get pinged with that all day long yeah. or see that in my Twitter feed or RSS. So I wait until the people I follow pick up one of those and who I really pay attention to, who I have relationships with and start passing around. And once I've seen that once or twice from people I follow, then I'll go, oh, that must be a good one. I'll put that into my system. So I read it. Yeah. And, and a lot of folks in my community will send me stuff now. And if they s- took the time to send it to me, then I'm definitely going to read it because that's relevant for um, 
for something for me to know about. So you just brought up one of the key differences to me in how this type of a process is is unique. And that is it's less about going out and reading more books or taking more classes or getting more information. A lot of it is on the connections mm, and establishing yeah. a network of connections that will bring greater meaning and and that we it's a it's a it's interconnected too because it's not just them providing to you but it's you providing back to them and and Mm. the richness that's found therein so capturing the the seeking is about establishing a network curating the sensing is about organizing what you've captured and making meaning of it and creating or sharing is when you share and you're transparent about what it is you found and you then have something new to contribute back once things have come into your body of, of thinking and, and your own personal knowledge management system, then it gets made new again when you share it. Personal knowledge mastery is a discipline. This is Harold Jarkey's another definition, a discipline of seeking from diverse sources of knowledge, actively making sense through action and experimentation, and sharing through narration of work and learning out loud. Hmm. Nice. That's a good one. So this has just been an overview of what personal knowledge mastery is about. We are going to be spending some time on this topic and Dave and I'll share with you how we do it. I started out this episode sharing about how overwhelmed we can all get just with the tasks that we have to get done, but we also can get overwhelmed with this flood of information. And one of the things that you're sharing with us about what's been a value to you, and I, I recently just finished teaching a doctoral level class where I taught personal knowledge mastery, and it's been so much fun to see them starting out the class pretty resistant to technology and some of the services that we use, or not even ever having heard of them before, to celebrating that. And the class has now ended. It's been over for, gosh, about three weeks, I think now. And I'm still connected with them and seeing how they're working out loud just because it's of interest to me. And it's so rewarding to see the people who have continued these processes, even though they're in the middle of a doctoral program, they see the value of the Seek, Sense, Share and they're still doing it. It's really great. And they're about actually to take a trip to Washington, D.C. as a part of their program. And I'm going to really enjoy seeing how that trip goes. Because Dave and I, we went to D.C. as a part of our doctoral program. And that was really transformative to me. So it's going to be fun to get to see it through their eyes and, and get little sneak peeks. You know, that reminds me of something. You know, for years I've worked with Dale Carnegie. And we've uh, one of the things we teach in our courses is how to manage stress and worry more effectively. And when people tell us that they're really overwhelmed right now and they've got a lot of stress going on in their lives and as a result, it isn't really a good time to um, you know, maybe take a class, uh, one of the things we often will have conversations with people about is you know, we find that that's actually the best time for people to get better at managing stress because they get the immediate benefit of being able to um, manage their stress and their worry and their attitude more effectively. And it makes real results immediately because they're dealing with so much of it. Mm. And so I say that uh, as an analogy for this is you mentioned the doctoral students that I think there's the temptation when you're overwhelmed in information to say, well, let me 
um, let me wait until I'm a little less overwhelmed and then take, you know, get the system set up better. And my experience is that never really happens, that there's never a good time to, you know, to not do something, um, you know, that's going to help you to be a little more effective. So if you are overwhelmed right now and you're thinking, gosh, I couldn't, you know, I don't know if I can do this, you know, take one step, do something that utilizes the system in the future episodes. I know Bonnie's planning here to uh, begin the process. And if you do, yeah, you may invest a little bit of time up front, um, but that practice, that discipline now will cut down so much noise and help you to be so much more effective at processing information and, uh, and really make you that much more wise. So this has been setting up the framework and the next ones will be a lot more pragmatic about specifically what tools are Dave and I using to seek sense and share. And we would love to have you as a part of the conversation. Please again, join us at teachinginhighered.com. Before we end the episode today, Dave, we don't want to forget about our recommendations. We started with these being educational technology focused recommendations, kind of throwing that out the window because I'm enjoying the broader focus. So what do you have as your recommendation for our listeners today? What's been catching your attention? Well, something that caught my attention about a year ago is a book online. It's a free book uh, that's only available by the web, and it's called Practical Typography by Matthew Butterick. I had a chance to interview him on my Coaching for Leaders podcast a couple weeks ago. And what this is, is it is an online, the best way to describe it would be like a uh, style guide, but for the everyday practitioner. Um, so it's it's much less um, uh, you know complex as like an APA or an MLA guide. It is practical typography and how to write and how to use good punctuation, all that for kind of the everyday average person. So um, this is not the thing to direct students to who are writing papers in APA or MLA or something like that. What it is helpful for, I found, is for your own personal communications, your letter writing, your email writing, how you're producing documents for your institution, uh, your own personal communication. And and there's a ton here. And it's all free. It's a really well-done guide. And it really uh, provides a lot of information and some things that I didn't know just on some of the general rules about writing, how to use fonts, how to appropriately format things, and things that I find that are really a lot harder and not as accessible in some of the style guides. So I would uh, I would definitely recommend that if you're looking for a good writing tool resource or just a general guide for writing and communications. And it's at practicaltypography.com. And my recommendation is very much relevant to the conversation around personal knowledge mastery, and that is Dave Pell's Next Draft. And Dave, my husband, not Dave Pell, but Dave Stahoviak had mentioned earlier of not wanting to get pinged by all the news. I actually recently went and tweaked my subscriptions a little bit because I was subscribing to a couple, two or three different news sources. I think I had AP Wire and... There was Google News, Top Stories, something like that. And I was just going in there and it would be the same story about, was it Harding, by the way? Mm -hmm. It was. (laughs) The same story about him five different ways from five different news sources. It was was too much. And so this guy, he is a master curator. When you look at personal knowledge mastery, he would be someone who is just the picture of what that looks like done well. So he goes out and must read every day voraciously. And then he makes sense of it. And he will then write, he'll categorize the day's news in such unique ways. And it's really, 
it's ten, a very short ten, read. Ten bullet points every day. It's like funny because I never noticed it. Was, is, it's always 10? It's always 10. Well, at least as far as I could tell, yeah. It is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's this guy. funny. It's insightful. It, he deals with incredibly tough, difficult stories and then ridiculous stories. He was writing about the World Cup. Sorry, listeners, if this offends you. I have no interest in the World Cup. But I would even read the... I wouldn't click through to the links to his stories that he links to, but I would read through the sentences just because he's so entertaining. And if I slow myself down to read every sentence, I mean, he's he's a hoot. I do read that every single day because he does such a good job curating. It, it's like if you hired someone to go out on the internet over the last 24 hours and find like the 10 best stories, the 10 best journal on all kinds of topics, news, popular culture, all kinds of stuff. And then he bullet points them and here's the 10 best. And it's 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 amazing. And, and it's free. Yeah. And they'll, so there'll be links to the stories if you want to find out more or you just get the overview from him if it's something you're not particularly too interested in. But oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. It's and really he, good. he is really funny. And then, like I said, he's also serious at the same time. He's a wonderful resource to me. And what I was able to do was unsubscribe from some that weren't as much value. And then I can't wait till his pops in every day. He took a little time off recently and I, I felt a yearning to have him come back. Well, he cracks me up too because he's totally just like a real person. Like you'll get a message sometimes one day like, uh, my kids are off school tomorrow so there won't be one tomorrow <laughs> I'm like, i love it it's awesome <laughs> or my kids are in spring break next week so we only get a beginning of monday tuesday Wednesday, and i really do miss them when they're not there mm-hmm. it's pretty yeah. amazing yeah thanks so much for listening today we appreciate your your ongoing feedback let us know how you're liking the podcast if you have suggestions for topics what's working what's not working go to or send an email to feedback at teachinginhighered.com. And we're also looking forward to doing a Q&A show coming up. So we would love to find out what questions that you have for us. And you can go to teachinginhighered.com slash feedback. And you also can leave a voicemail too, where we could play your audio with a question in future episodes. Absolutely. And if you uh, go to teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe, you'll get Bonnie's guide for essential educational technology tools. Some of them we talked about today, but lots more there and the notes and weekly update each week. So Mm -hmm. good stuff to uh, be checking out. Thanks again for listening. 